podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the Gags Tandon Show. No, Nina. She's on holiday. Brought to you in partnership with LibertyShield.com, the perfect VPN companion for all your football viewing, where you can get 25% off everything using coupon code AIVPN. Liberty Shield is the VPN used by many in the AI Pro team to help them watch the Reds live. And the next game is also not live on television if you're in the UK. Those of you abroad, lucky you, because you've got you know, lots of channels to watch, but we don't. So get your 48 free trial now on Liberty Shield today and start encrypting your internet connection today. It will stop your ISP logging traffic and bypass blocks on any geo-restricted content. That's the important part, geo-restricted. Anyway, I am joined by two fantastic guests. Tadiva, welcome to the Gags Tandon Show. It's not. It's been a long time since we did one of these, mate. Yeah, I know. It's been a long time since I've spoken to you over a pod, I think. I think it's more conversation via text. Or I'm just like producing and, and not in the background. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Brilliant. Brilliant. And also Dave Horrocks is here, the other Dave H um, that everyone gets confused about in our Discord server. Um, <laughs> co-host of Comics in Motion. Welcome, Dave. Hey guys. Thanks for inviting me. It's great to be on. No problem at all. It'd be good to talk to you guys. I want to do things a little bit differently. Normally, when we do post-match shows, we try and cover the game in depth and stuff like that. This game, really simple, a professional win. What I really want to talk about first and foremost is what people will want to hear us talk about, in my opinion, that is. 19 points fucking clear of the Premier League, baby. The first team ever to do that by the end of January. How the fuck does that feel, Tadiba? How does the fuck does that feel? I think it's finally time where we can actually now appreciate this. Uh, my, my biggest fear has always been the January period because that's always been, you know, traditionally Klopp's worst month for Liverpool. So now that we've gotten through that January period, I can breathe now. I can enjoy it. Um, obviously the downside is a few injuries here and there, but over the course of a season, I think that's expected. Um, and you take them at this point, don't you? And exactly. 19 points clear, then, then say you're a couple of points behind or seven points like last year or four points, was it? And, you know, things are a bit shaky. This seems a bit more controlled, man. And the thing is also, if you look at the beginning of the season, considering especially our front three, the amount of minutes they've played over the last two, three years, um, both uh, for Liverpool and for their respective countries. They've all been in big tournaments, big match. Every match for Liverpool is a must-win now, considering how high we are. Um, all of them are key players in their national teams. Mane, he has to carry a, t- a nation. And we, um, um, Salah, same thing. And we know in Africa, um, you know, international football has way more importance, I would say, than in Europe. Like, you can't... That comment that Mane said that he would give up his Champions League medal to to win Afghan with with Senegal. It it really is that way for for them. 
Um, so you can imagine how important it is. And then for Firmino, he's wearing the number nine for Brazil. Uh, only the number 10 is more important than that. So they've had so much intensity, so much importance all their games and playing for Liverpool. It almost seemed like Klopp was saying, let's just sprint the first, if you're running a 400 meter race, let's sprint the first 200 and then we can sort of limp our, our way over the line towards the end. And it seems no one could keep up with us. And now even limping over the line seems way, way easier than we would have imagined. Unbelievable. Dave, tell me how you're feeling, mate, because um, it's unprecedented. This team is doing things. I've been waiting for 30 years for this day. I'll get very um, emotional when I when I talk about that 30-year wait. I really do. It's 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 in my throat. I can I can feel it. I can feel the eyes. I can feel the tears. You know, it's it's it something that I want more than anything. And this team is doing something I've never seen a Liverpool side do. It's not an exaggeration anymore. It's not a, it's not bullshit anymore. It's the truth. It's not just the that weight of expectation, like you say. It's been a long thirty years, hasn't it? And you know, I I, I think I'm always a bit pessimistic, you know, even in the cup competitions because we haven't done too bad. It's it's just a league, isn't it, that we've missed out on those thirty years. We have been pretty successful in the cups and stuff, but even before that, I think the the first thing that shaped my adult mindset is that 89 season when we lost with that bloody Michael Thomas goal in 89. And so I can never feel secure because I remember being absolutely 100% rock solid. We were going to win the league. There's no way that that Arsenal side will beat us. So, So I thought when we won the league again, it would be close. We'd run it right to the end. So it's a mixture of kind of, that anticipation, we're going to win the league again. It's going to happen this time. But also, fuck me, we've just never seen this before. No one's ever seen this. Even the teams that we thought that we think of as dominant in the past, they've never had a start like this. And, and so yeah. I, I, even as pessimistic as I am, I'm just in awe. And, no. and I'm looking at that team tonight. I'm sure we'll go player for player, but... I'm looking at it and I'm thinking the likes of Becker, I've never seen, you know, plus 40 no. years on this He's planet. He's going to become the greatest seen. of all time if he, if he yeah. continues the way he is. And, in, in our goal. and at the end of the day, there's so many fans out there that will argue about the greatest Premier League team ever. I don't really give a shit about that, right? I give a shit about our greatest team ever. And like, you talk about people talking about Man City last year as that's the greatest team ever. They got 98, 100 points, whatever. We haven't got there yet, but the signs, the signs of 97 points out of the last 99. Yeah, that is, that is unprecedented. No one's done that before. Nobody. So if you're going to talk about that Man City team being the great, one of the greatest Premier League teams of all time, then this team is now in that equation, no matter what anyone says. And where they go, how they speak about it, whatever they want to do, they can't hide from it. The facts speak, the facts speak louder than your bullshit agenda. 97 points out of 99 to Diva. That's unfucking believable. I think the biggest thing as well is Liverpool are at the forefront of a, a new wave, what will be a new wave in football. If obviously with our owners, everyone knows, you know, Boston. Red Sox, Moneyball, heavily data-influenced. 
if you look at football, this was almost the perfect environment for them to move that uh, system into because in football, no one's ever done it. And it's the same thing as if you look in baseball history where at the beginning it was sort of laughed at, it was mocked. And you've got that football, especially in the UK, has got that proud tradition of, you know, I've got to see it with my eye or, like you know, the, the, the scouts have to, you have to watch the game or you have to have played the game. And then Liverpool have just flipped the script on its head by bringing in guys that, you know, it's a mixture of guys that have the eye, guys that maybe haven't even watched football, but can, you know, bring a different dynamic. If you, if you bring someone that's never watched football and they're bringing data information into the game, they could mention something that has been a tradition in football for so long. And just because it's always been done that way doesn't mean it's necessarily the most efficient or necessarily even the correct way to do it. And you can see, uh, uh, you know, you can envision, uh, uh, as happened with baseball, other teams are going to try and, um, you know, mimic how Liverpool has done it and data is going to become an even bigger thing going forward. But it's almost like we've got a head start. So even once they try and catch up, we will already be 10 years almost ahead of them. So we'll always be ahead of the curve as long as we keep developing and improving that side of the game. And I, I find it funny, especially in the conversation. I mean, you've got the best platform in terms of Anfield Index, especially the pro side where you've got the under pressure, you've got fatigue index. We're watching the game at a completely different level to what everyone else is watching. And you hear the conversations they have, especially with this Liverpool side, because this Liverpool side, if you look player for player, and which is what people love to do is, okay, player for player, Liverpool and Man United, how many Liverpool players would get into Man United's team? For us, it doesn't even matter. I, I would happily say... How many they, Liverpool players, the current Liverpool game, all 11 get into Man United's team right no, now? No, no, but, but do you get what I mean? People will try and argue, oh no, De Gea over Allison. You know, you know stuff like that. <laughs> Just because, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> It happens, Gags. Tell me it tell me it doesn't happen. It have we've seen it even on on Sky's starting eleven. I had a I had a deluded Man United fan today tell me that uh, Man United was still better than Liverpool, like you know, with a straight face. I was like <laughs> bigger club mate, oh, okay then <laughs> But that's Shut what I'm talking up. about. If, yeah. But for us it doesn't even matter because we know um it's more about the it's more about the entire team. So even if you want to say, okay, plug in De Gea into this Liverpool team, and he's, because he's better than Allison, if if that's your argument, he wouldn't work in this Liverpool team because he doesn't have the characteristics that Allison brings. He doesn't have he won't be able to cover all those long balls that West Ham are playing, and Allison just jogs up to them and kicks them away, and not just kicks them away, kicks them straight to one of our players. You know, it's those little details, stuff like that, that. I don't think other fans have caught up to yet, which I just find so amazing. And which is what makes this team so amazing is because they're struggling to figure out why this team is so good. And, and I love that. Some lovely plugs from Tadiba there for AI Pro. If you're not an AI Pro um, subscriber, you should be. Amfordinist.com forward slash join seven week, seven week, seven day trial. Don't put, don't hold my word to it. It's not a seven week trial. Seven day trial. <laughs> Four ninety nine a month, thirty nine ninety nine a year. I have to put the cheap plugs in, you know, on the free side. I have to. Um, so yeah, you have to live with it. Sorry, um, Dave. Let's go to the game then. I just had to start with that because, from my point of view, you know, 
like I said, it's it's it gets emotional every time. Ninety seven out of ninety nine, nineteen league titles. We're gonna get there. It's gonna happen. Is there's nothing that will, you know, stop us. And and obviously, games in hand has been a massive issue for us in the past. We've never used them, so it's <laughs> another thing we've got past. You know, we've got past that game in hand, and it's yay! Finally, we're level, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and you're so far behind, we can't even fucking see you. Drew put it right, and I just tweeted this. Liverpool are, are are in a league of their own, you know? League of their own. But we started the game, um, uh, obviously no Mane uh, and Fab still on the bench, which is probably the right move after Sunday. He wasn't doing too good. And uh, Divock started. But at the end of the day, what did you think of that start to the game? I, I wasn't too disappointed with Origi starting. I, I know he's limited. Uh, it oh, takes he's a the massive, option at the moment. I get you. Yeah, it, it takes a massive drop-off. And also, he's managing his squad, isn't he? He's been very vocal, obviously, this week about having to manage the squad and you know what, what he has to do to get us through to that, that finish line. So I think the only eye-opener for me was, was just Ox being in there. I, I think he's... He's a bit of an enigma. Sometimes I think he's he's going to be one of the best midfielders we've ever seen at the club, and and then other times he can look quite awful. Um, and I think he's still coming back into form. So I was just not quite sure about that. But I think. You know, again, being that pessimist, I look at the side, you know, everyone's saying how bad West Ham are at the minute, but I'm looking at it, it's David Moyes. I've never rated him as a manager, even when the mainstream media was going on about how great he was to, uh, you know, get forth for that Everton side. So just all that added together, I thought, you know what, these are all the ingredients for that first loss. Um you know, again, that's just a pessimist. But Jesus Christ, when, when man. they hit <laughs> me now, Dave, what the hell? But Jesus. you know, I'm just trying to trying to think, and then I'm thinking, well, we're still 16 points ahead because you know, and then it, it's still even all a draw gets it to 17. I mean, that would have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is just the conversation I have with myself. And then when the game started off, it's just obvious. It's the same old boring fucking Moyes team, isn't it? And they had a few breakaways at at the start there. Um, But actually, you know, the biggest change for me this year, and again, it comes back to this team just continuing to defy belief. I just never really, once the game starts, I never feel like we're out of control. Even though the the opposition might have a few counterattacks and what have you, this team has got it in hand, and so that is the biggest difference. It feels sustainable, and it not just for this season because I am confident enough, despite being this pessimistic person. Nineteen points clear. Okay, I'm going to say it. We're going to win this fucking league, but <laughs> I it feels like this team could just go go from strength to strength. You know, it doesn't feel to me like this side has hit its peak. Wow. I mean, to Diva, it does feel, a, you know, professional performance. We don't kill teams like three, four, five nil. It's been what, so many one goal wins, you know, by, by the margin of one goal. But it doesn't matter, does it? A win's a win. And some of them do look, I mean, the Wolves one's different. It looked like it was touch and go at times. but. Tonight, that first half, even we, um, how much of the ball did we have? I mean, it was it was nuts. 
they had 155 passes to 416 of ours. It was pure possession game. And whilst they, I think there was the only Robbo big chance before the goal, wasn't there? But it was still total domination, wasn't it? It, it, I think it was. And I think maybe this Liverpool team, I think especially because a lot of them weren't here during the times where we had a lot of the banana skins, but us fans were. So in our heads, we still get worried, oh no, this could be the game. Oh, you know, what a story it would be for Moyes, the Everton guy, to come and beat us with a poor West Ham side that's got all the injuries and Creswell playing centre-back and all that. For mo- for majority of the players that are playing tonight, they don't even remember that Liverpool because they weren't part of it. So I think maybe it's us fans that need to catch up to these guys that, you know, they say, no, we're professional enough, we're well-drilled enough, and we are the best team in England, Europe, and the world. So we're going to go and beat these teams. Um, and fuck I think- Moyes and fuck Gollum. <laughs> we call him Gollum. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, and, and I think also uh, another point is the fact that um, the, like in terms of how we're breaking down these teams, it's almost like picking a lock. Um, and I think we've become more, uh, a lot more fine-tuned with this in that even though we're passing the ball around the back, it might look boring and it might seem boring, but all we're doing, in my opinion, is we're just seeing what their defensive shape is. If we move the ball to the side, who's moving up, who's pressing, who's moving out of their position, who's not concentrating, and then all of a sudden, once we, you know, we test a few of the the balls, we figured out, okay, they're their right hand side, our left hand side. There's not a lot of concentration going on there, and then boom, for like a good twenty minutes, all of our attacks seem to be coming from that side, and then we'll slow it down again, and then we'll pass it around, look to see have they made adjustments? No, they haven't. Okay, we'll carry on. So I think. The, the theme that I've seen throughout this season is that it's sort of like a dance, like a slow, quick, quick, slow, slow, quick, quick, slow. So there's some sort of tempo and just seeing where the other side is, sort of putting it into our machine brain of some sort, calculating where our best positions are to, to score and then, you know, executing that on the pitch. And also we have to remember the fact that this team is playing um, a lot smarter than we were playing in other seasons. You mentioned the the one nulls and the two ones and the two nulls. If a team isn't going to test us, why should we go and you know go all one hundred and twenty percent and risk even more injuries? Um, no, that's true. When, that's what we picked I mean? up as well with the pressing. We in, in under pressure again on AI Pro. This is what we've picked up. We game state dictates everything. It dictates exactly. everything. As soon as we're winning, no, we're not going to press. We're going to hold. And you want the ball? We'll just break like we did in the second one. But, you know, you're right. It's 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 very smart. It's very smart from Klopp. It's very smart from his team. And, you know, the smartness is, is just riding through the whole club day from, you know, uh, commercials to re- recruitment to on the pitch. Everything is smart from throw-ins. Everything is fucking smart <laughs> as hell, you know? So... I mean, let's talk about that. That Whilst it was professional, we did play some lovely football in this game at times, Dave. We made some real good moves. I mean, the one for the, the big chance I mentioned from uh, Robbo that was going wide, but cleared off the line, obviously. Yeah. That was a big chance. And the move was beautiful. And then obviously the penalty wasn't, wasn't a bad move either, was it, from Trentin? Yeah, it is a great move. And I, I think, 
you know, to pick up on the dancing analogy, I, th- I think it's it's more like chess for me, or or a cat, you know, that plays with a mouse and it's just sort of seeing what it does. Yeah, absolutely right. He just sort of the team seems to just play around, and then again we'll let you have the odd attack and what have you. But most of the time we've got the ball and we're just passing and probing and that that robo chance i mean <laughs> you know he's not the greatest finisher in the world is he so i, I don't think i i actually thought he was going to score that one so i wasn't that surprised when it got sort of cleared off but um i, I absolutely loved it. i must say i do think i i am a supporter i do like Origi, but that's more for the highlights i think um i do think it was a good touch for the penalty um I, I I don't think I there's not that many players who wouldn't have had a heavier touch in that um scenario, but leading up to that, I thought he was particularly poor. <laughs> and I was looking out down the social media and everything, and he, he is a divisive character, isn't he? And he was doing pretty much everything wrong. I remember, you know, it, the ball came out to him on the left and he tried to control it and it just rolled out and I thought, Oh god, he's gonna get he's gonna get slated for this, but no, fair play to him. I, th- I thought he did well for the penalty there. Again, I'm watching the VAR replays. I'm thinking, oh, there's no way that's handball. But, you know, again, this is... You know what? Passive. I was thinking opposite. I was like, shit, <laughs> that, that might be... Because you can't trust... You don't You don't know what they, how they look at it and what yeah. goes on in those fuckers' minds, do you? And you think, you know what? Is this track going to give this, you know, give, yeah. <laughs> give this to the downside? You just Absolutely. don't know. Yeah, and and but I think the Shrewsbury games taught me that uh, as annoying as VAR is, they broadly get more of the decisions right, you know. So, um, uh, but anyway, Shrewsbury is another game that's gone. So yeah, I, I think once that once that goal goes in, that's it. It's game over. Everyone might as well pack up and go home now. It, it's just it becomes it's it's like watching the Harlem uh, Globetrotters in football at times. You know, it's just. It Especially Bobby, you know, he just turns it on, doesn't he? As soon as we get our nose in front, he's with all the flicks and stuff. So, yeah, at, at that point, I could just actually sit back and, and enjoy the game from there, to be honest. To Diva, the penalty then, Mo, I think, has... When Mo first came and started taking penalties in that season um, of 40 goals or whenever, it, it looked so nervous every time he took a pen. But now he's changed the way he, he takes it, his style... Everything is fucking belted in corners or confidently, you know, it's just, it's just a phenomenal turnaround of taking penalties. He must be practicing these. Either he's getting assistance from Milner or something is definitely happening in training. <laughs> Milner's a much more calmer though. Like this was, he hit it so hard that he didn't even have balance when his, when his foot came down, <laughs> like he was going to fall over. He hit it that hard. You know, Milner's aren't blasted. They are nice penalties. Not, just, not necessarily in the sense of he's taking them like Milner. I just mean in terms of they're probably practicing after. Yeah, yeah. like they, there's a certain there are certain players that get to practice penalties. I'm sure Fabinho is one of them, but I don't think he'll ever take a penalty again, considering the the line that that he has to wait behind um, to take a penalty, even though he's a phenomenal penalty taker. Um, I think in terms of technique and. Gax and I always have conversations on technique and we have our differences on that and, and agreements as well. But I thought this, this was the type of thing that, that really helps build uh, a player's technique is learning how to take a really good penalty when the ball is still. And if you look the way he ran up to the ball, he opens his body as though he's going towards the keeper's right-hand side. 
And then at the last second, he just closes his foot. So he keeps his body still facing that direction. And then it's just the slight closing of the foot that changes the direction where the ball goes. So instinctively as a keeper, you automatically go in that direction where the player is, is facing his body. And I'm sure the, the better he gets at it and the more advanced he gets at it, um, there are going to be situations where keepers are going to obviously try and go to their left-hand side and he's going to be able to catch that with their eye. And then all he has to do is not close his foot. Mm-hmm. And it, it's so difficult to stop. And then also, even if uh, Fabianski had gotten to, um, gotten to that, that correct side, remember when keepers dive for penalties, they go sideways and up. That, that's how they're, they're trained to, to try and block them. So if it comes low, you know, a bottom, bottom corner uh, penalty is the hardest one for the keeper to save because they're automatically going up first and then they have to come down. And if he's hitting it as hard as he is, even if the keeper comes down, it will be too late. The ball would have gone past yeah, them already. So, so They're just so good. The couple of the last few were in top corners as well. And I was like, what the fuck? This is different. <laughs> Who's this man? Where, where's Mo? Like, you know, Can I just say, though, I mean, I, I, you cannot argue, like you say, with the last few penalties that he's taken for the results and where they go. But And that is a wonderful explanation of, of why it's a good technique. But I'll be honest, give me Milner taking it any day of the week. I like the penalty takers to to strut up, look like they're in control, look like they can fool the keeper. When Salah runs up like that, he just looks... (laughs) I can imagine his inner monologue is just like, I'm going to fucking twat this as hard as I can. (laughs) You know... It's like being back at school, isn't it? You know, I, I you know, I was always limited it's as working, a footballer. Though, okay. So I'm like, you know, fucking toe it and, and it's it. You're absolutely right. And I think, you know, it's not an accident, is it? You know, they, they go into the corners. But it's just, that, again, that moment before it, he strikes it, I, I don't feel as confident as when someone just struts up to the to the ball and strikes it like Milner. But I think I think that that part of the the confidence and the swagger that Milner takes them, I think that will come with the confidence of scoring it and and continuing to practice. So I think if you look at what he's doing at the moment, he's he's been practicing the technique of striking the ball and making sure he strikes it purely, and then mm-hmm. b- b- um, he's banking on the p- the pace that he hits the ball is going to get past the keeper, regardless of if the keeper goes the correct side. And then, like I said, with the body fence and all of that. That, that helps. But you'll, what you'll notice is the next evolution for him is going to be reacting to what the keeper's doing on the line and sort of watching the keeper more than opposed to at the moment. He doesn't even look at the keeper. If you watch him, he looks only at the ball and, um, he just uses those body fans and making sure he strikes the ball correctly. That's his target. If you look at Milner, Milner watches the keeper. But once again, that comes with confidence. So I, I wouldn't be surprised in maybe a year or two, you'll see Salah's head will start to lift a little bit more. And then that's when he's, he's really going to be at that, that, that level of, of a Milner penalty. But I agree, Milner definitely has more confidence in, in taking them. Um, Milner has to get in the team to take them. Uh, with the midfield coming back to you know, full fitness. He becomes sixth or seventh choice. Rolling so, subs, thanks. Hey? Rolling subs. Yeah, that's it. Oh, <laughs> the best thing ever, wouldn't it? But to be honest, I think other people would benefit way more from rolling subs than us. So, no, we don't want to do that. People will bring on, like, um, 
Bruno for free kicks and shit and take him off again? No, no, thank you. No, fuck off. Right. Anyway. Um, can I, can I ask that... you a question, actually? I mean, leading up to the penalty, why does the op not get sent off there? Because he takes Origi down. If he doesn't take him down, Origi's got a free shot. He's eight yards out straight uh, with only Fabianski facing him. Is there I not a really is... double jeopardy rule? No, I think it's it's legitimate um legitimate, you know, go if someone's going for the ball and is legitimately going for the ball and it's not you know like someone does right, a professional right, foul. Right. If it's a professional foul you're off. You're going to be off, but he was actually trying to tackle him. It was legitimately trying to. He thought he could win the ball, and it looks like he thinks he's going for a legitimate, legitimate, um, yep. legitimate tackle too. So yeah, it's just a yellow in that they have to. They've changed the rule, rule a little bit to have that legitimacy bit in. So if it looks like he's actually trying to win the ball, great. But if he's just, oh, you know what? I don't want you to score here. I'll kick your legs. There you go. See you yeah, later. You're yeah, off. That... Even if it's outside the box and it's one on one, he's gone. Doesn't have to be in the box. So. It's it's the definition of the type of foul now, rather than any situation you're gone, which is which is that a makes better sense. rule, a yeah, better rule, is. I think it yeah. is because I I never bought the double jeopardy thing because you know if someone gets sent off and it's outside the area, you still get a free kick. Yeah, penalty is just a free kick, just a different type of free kick. So well, so well, the, the, well, the well, trying to win the ball, big, yeah, yeah the, but trying to win the ball, okay. Again, it's another subjective thing, isn't it? But I was just a bit confused why uh, why that was, but that makes sense. Yeah, it does. The rest of that success of the first half, really not much happened. It was just us keeping the ball, um, flattening them, really. Uh, and then second half was where it got, Really, really interesting, Dave. Like they came out, they had a few chances. Um, you know that header, Agbona, the, the chance from um, was it Snodgrass? No, it was Rice first, wasn't it? And Trent hitting the post and shit. <sighs> Loads of stuff happening, and uh, they're having corners. And obviously, the, the the mystic gag that I am said, "Yeah, they've got a corner." The first one, I think it was the second. We we've got a chance now. And what happened? <laughs> We went and fucking scored. Beautiful. But um, that is, that is, I think, something that we were waiting for all game. Uh, I was saying in the Discord chat, um, if you do want to sign up to Discord, it's free for matches that we talk about with fellow Reds in our community. Anfordindies.com forward slash Discord. Um, I was saying in Discord that basically, you know, we need them. We need them to come out. We need for them... Um, you know, we, we probably need to concede a bit of possession to get a bit of a chance and a bit more space because that's, that's what was starved first half. And it did happen second half and that's where that goal comes from and it's a lovely finish from Ox, isn't it? Yeah, I think um, in terms of, I just felt bad for, for the fact that it was West Ham again because I think we did them last time well, a couple of games yeah, back. Yeah, we two years ago. Back, yeah. <laughs> in the um, orange kit was it, I think. Um, yes, yeah, yeah, it was. And Ox was involved in that as well. He was, you know, bursting his, his gut running up the pitch. And I think in one of the preview podcasts, um, I think maybe it was the review one, um, the preview one, sorry, they did mention, oh, we've conceded a corner to Liverpool before. And then as soon as that one went in, I had a smirk on my face. But I think in, in terms of the, the um, going on the break, I think if you look at their defenders, they just crapped themselves because Salah was around. Um, they could have easily dealt with that situation. But just because he was around, they let the ball bounce. 
And then, obviously, um, a half-hearted sort of uh, flick by, I think it was Noble, which landed by Henderson. And I thought it was good technique by Henderson to hit it first time, especially with how panicked their defense was at that moment, um, straight towards uh, the part where Salah was running. And then Salah, you know, he gets criticism for the, in bracket selfishness or whatever. Um, he's got his head up. Great outside football to Oxlade-Chamberlain. I mean... Wow. That, that, those are the type of balls that allows a striker just to carry on running. They don't have to really break their stride. And then from that, from, from there, I think Ox, I think it showed he's got that attacking ability because he did the smartest thing you could do in that situation, which was his first touch was across the path of Lanzini. So which meant that Lanzini can't just sprint straight and go go for a tackle because if Ox had just carried on running straight in, in his normal part, Lanzini, I think, would have just carried on running straight and tried to block him and it would have been likely a blocked um, shot unless Ox had to cut back and pass. So what Ox does is he kicks the ball across Lanzini's line and Lanzini now can't tackle him. He has to slow down. Otherwise, that that's sort of a red card situation where you're just clumsy and you clatter the yeah. player. So that takes him out of the equation automatically. And then now it's just one-on-one with the keeper and then once again, another body feint to the keeper because he opened up his body like that Thierry Henry opened the body, bottom corner, far post, and the keeper even leans that way. And <laughs> in the last second, he just um, closes the foot again, similar to what Salah did, but obviously in reverse, closes the foot and puts it in the other corner. I thought that was really good composure from Ox and a really good build-up from Salah and Hendo. Yeah, me too. I mean, Dave, your thoughts on the goal as well? Yeah, it's like a boxer, isn't it? Sort of just teasing you in there just getting letting you get him up against the ropes and then coming out with a sort of lethal combination it, it was just it was so impressive but like you say you could kind of see it coming couldn't you i mean just just everything about it was perfection i'm sure you know roll back alan anson i'm sure he could have told you that you know if you'd had someone here or here you could have stopped that but you know west ham were were trying to go for that equalizer and and i'm watching that goal and i'm just thinking this team is just unbelievable. It just what could they have done about that? And like you say, when great ball from Salah, and not to dismiss Henderson's role as well, I think he, he did well there, but great ball. But Ox still had a lot to do, and I noticed exactly the same thing. That that was a really clever move to make the defender check his stride, and, and he just he just made it look easy. <laughs> and it was just... Again, it's just party time in my head then. So I can, I can shake off my pessimism. And then, you know, I guess the only downside is it's like you're already thinking to the weekend then, aren't you? When it, when it goes to 2-0, the, the game's over. Absolutely. In this game, Henderson with an XG chain of 1 and XG build-up of 0.97. That's pretty damn good from Jordan Henderson in this game. <laughs> Well, there's, uh, yeah, can't can't argue with those on ball stats, can you? So, um, yeah, is interesting. He, so, just on that point, Gags. I mean, question to you because you, you you're doing all the pro stuff as well. You might have discussed this before. Um, I mean, is Henderson in the form of his life? Because yes. I I thought in thirteen fourteen he was amazing, but this this is a player I don't really recognize now. Yeah, so his XA, which means what he created wasn't very high, but he's in but when you're involved in the build up, so the one before the pass, you know, stuff like that, like the just pass. said. Yeah, or or even before that, anywhere in the move, mm-hmm. that it means that you get weighted something, you know. 
in 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 that, and he's involved in in attacks that end up becoming shots, and that wasn't happening before. And in this last run since December, since Fab's been out, it's happened more and more and more. And if you compare Hendo first two three months to Hendo last three months, there is a night and day on ball difference. You know, he's always tried to press whether it's. Uh, okay efficiency or quality efficiency he fluctuates in games depends on who his partners are to be honest to support um if it's Milner it's shit show in 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 midfield in terms of pressing but um if it's fab you know Naby Ginny I mean Ginny's brilliant with him all the time but he's a constant it's 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 decent but on ball is what we have to measure against and obviously people only measure against how many chances did you create or um, you know, how, how many assists did you get? But there's mm-hmm. other ways to measure now in XG chain and XG build and he's, and he's impressive. So you can't argue with it and we can't, you know, we've got to call it out at times. So, um, yeah, fantastic. Uh, but apart from that, there's, Sorry, Dad, go on. do you think from a psychological standpoint as well, I think the weight has been lifted off his shoulders in terms of being a Liverpool captain that hadn't lifted a, t- a trophy. Whereas now it seems like he's playing like he knows he deserves to be Liverpool captain. Whereas in the previous years, he was still like you could never fault Henderson for yeah, you could never fault him for effort. He always gave a hundred percent effort. But now he's playing with sort of like a swagger of I deserve to be, you know, it starting in this midfield as the captain of Liverpool. I've lifted a Champions League and and so forth and so forth, other trophies. Yeah. You literally saw a change in the second half because a lot of people were complaining in the first that he wasn't playing, you know, he wasn't playing vertical passes or, you know, there was all sideways. But everybody, even the, all three of the midfield, to be fair. Uh, but in the second half, you could visibly see that he was trying to break the lines. Gomez was trying it. Gomez had a great game, I thought. Van Dijk had a great game, I thought. And I thought, you know, we'll go to this guy next after this because we had a few more chances. For Firmino put one... Wide again, great move. There was another beautiful move, Dave, in the box, around the box, where I think we must have had 10 or 12 touches in the box in one move. Like, usually that's a game. You know, you have that much in a game, but in one move, there was like 10 or 12 touches in the box in the, in West Ham's box. It was, that was a phenomenal bit of play. It's, it's just like, you know what it's like? It's like it genuinely is men against boys, isn't it, at times? When 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 I see us play against any other teams, probably with the exceptions of like City and, and Wolves, obviously they run us pretty close, but it it just seems like that. You know, when you see uh blokes, you know, thirty somethings play a bunch of teenagers or something, the teenagers have got all the legs running all around the place, but they're just not wily enough and and I just think we're just too bloody good for everyone. <laughs> and again, just to sit back with a glass of wine and just enjoy it. Brilliant. God, I wish I was having wine. But um, yeah, it was uh, when I was coming on this show doing wine. I already can't speak. Well, what would happen if I was drinking wine? I've tried that <laughs> pod away at Fulham in 2014. I was bloody drunk. Anyway. It's, it's practice yeah. gags. If oh, you, well I used to do this when I was in a band. So if you're going to... If you're going to go up on stage and and play drunk, you have to practice drunk. So, well. so if you're going to podcast, if... 19, <laughs> mate, when it's nineteen, not nineteen points clear, when it's number nineteen, eight games away, when it happens, maybe next, no, 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 maybe this, when it's number nineteen, <laughs> it will be a drunk nineteen. I'll tell you. Um, 
but let's talk about the defence and Tadiba. I think um, I think whilst we praise the midfield a little bit there, we have to say that they did allow West Ham in a few times as well. So there is a there is a little counter to it. Um, and I thought VVD was really, you know, dominant in how he was sweeping up. Gomez was so good at times. But I think if we can focus on the goalkeeper who made some tremendous saves today, especially the last one that was dipping and he flicks at the last moment out. I mean, I last last um, Under Pressure show, we went through Alison's stats that Dan Kennett put up on his Twitter. And if you don't follow Dan Kennett, go and follow him at Dan Kennett. Uh, it's double N and double T there um, in his, in his uh, name. Go and follow him and just look at those Alisson stats. They are phenomenal. What he's been doing this season for us, I think Drury said it as well, that's his eighth clean sheet of the season, I think. And he's level or more than everybody else in the league, yet he played two months less. <laughs> that's just insane when you think about it. Yeah. Um, and then I think you guys mentioned on that pod that he's only lost once or something ridiculous like that. Yeah, it's it's just the, the, yeah. But there's a there was a tweet doing the rounds today. Let me read this out to you. Um, and by the way, we haven't even mentioned it. Seventy points in January. We're nineteen clear, but seventy fucking points in January. Don't make me get cry. Start crying again because I get excited about this shit. Right, players who have never lost a Premier League game at Anfield since the next game is Anfield. Ah, since joining Liverpool or or starting to play for them. Alison Becker, Adrian, Virgil van Dijk, Andy Robertson, Fabinho, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, haven't finished yet, Naby Keita, <laughs> Jordan Shakiri haven't finished yet, Sadio Mane and Mohamed Salah have not lost at Anfield. Holy fucking shit. Sadio Mane's been here for three and a half fucking years. He's not lost at Anfield in the Premier League. <laughs> That's that fucking insane. That's and, insane. And you can see it in the games where team score a goal and then our team is like okay we'll just step it up and go get two like they don't they don't they literally don't know how to lose um and but you know um winding it back to allison i think we we've mentioned it a few times in the rate don't hate podcast hashtag cheap plug um on ai pro on ai pro um the the biggest asset for allison i think is well first and foremost his positioning in that he he's so good at positioning and, and anticipation of where the shot is going to be. So he positions himself in the best p- possible place that when he makes his saves, a lot of his saves, um, he, or all of his saves, actually, he not only um, stops the ball, even the ones where he's stretching out, like you saw the rice header um, during the game, not only does he stop the ball, but he pushes the ball out of, the danger area as well. Yeah, whenever and, he can, it's it's you're right. He does. And, and and the thing is, if you look at the um, if you if you go back and you watch the Wolves game again, for example, there were two shots that Adam Atore had where, um, especially the one where Adam had uh, stepped inside, um, stepped outside of Robertson and took a low shot, and Allison came shot. down low to save it. But if you look at the way he saved it, he doesn't just put his hand in front of it. He pushed it out of the, the what do you call six-yard box. And if he hadn't done that, I think it was Doherty was just sitting there waiting to tap it in. And there's so, so many... So you mean times... he didn't do a Mignolet, basically? Yeah. But, but, it's not, <laughs> but it's not just Mignolet, gags. It's it's majority of keepers in the Premier League. Look at the amount of goals that get scored by just foxes in the box from 
after the keeper saved it and you tap it in. He And you can see that that's bred into all of our keepers now. Even Adrian is doing it where when he makes a save, he tries to push the ball out of the danger area. And that's such a huge thing to do. And you can only do that if your positioning is really, really good. Because if you look at the likes of De Gea and stuff, and especially like Pickford, okay, I know the short arms and everything, but I think the the reason why um, they they have to pull off these amazing like diving saves and all of those things, they look spectacular, the TV dies and everything, but it's because your positioning isn't 100%, and now you're having to stretch, so when you're stretching, you can't push the ball away, you're just trying to get a glove in front of it. And Allison, I think, is... I haven't seen a keeper that does it to that effect. Even when it comes to All Black, All Black still, um, you know, he's really good at shot stopping. But Allison is really good at clearing his area. So not just stopping the shot going in, but making sure that no one gets any crumbs after he's made the save, which I think is absolutely fantastic. It is. And, and speaking about Pickford, sorry, have to put a slap in there. He's the only man that watches. Jurassic Park and is looking in the mirror. Magnificent, <laughs> magnificent man. You know, Pickford, amazing. Dave, words on Alison, please. Praise. I mean, I mean, it's it's hard not to, you know, just just heap indiscriminate praise on him, isn't it? I mean, I I think I mentioned before we came on the show. So, so I'm a. I, I'm not quite old enough to remember the Ray Clemens days, but so my first keeper, you know, that I fell in love with was Brucey Grobelar, shouting at him, singing at the cop, you know, Brucey, what's the score and everything. And and he was great, but he was he was sort of suspect to the odd moments at times. Allison, he just doesn't seem to have a weakness at all. And am I going to upset anyone if I, I talk about Jim Beglin? Because the the channel I was watching on tonight, had Jim Beglin commentating. And I must admit, I, I, I'm baffled most of the times when I'm listening to him commentating. And there was one shot, uh, I think the one uh, we mentioned just now about the, the kind of looping right into the corner. He has to get right across the goal. And he, uh, Jim Beglin starts to say, oh, yeah, he nearly caught the keeper out there. And I'm thinking, no, he didn't. <laughs> he hit a great shot. It was it was going for the corner. But he's got it again. Allison has got it under control the whole of the time, and and I just, I think honestly, I think the defense just you know take a rest day sometimes, including the second half tonight, so they can just show off Allison Becker and, and what he can do. But he's just honestly, he's amazing. The guy doesn't ha- seem to have a weakness. No, I love him. I think he's unbelievable. And uh, we actually have a T-shirt made after him. So you can go and check that out. Again, cheap plug gags. AITs.co.uk. The Becker brand is there. Go and check it out. It's, I do say so myself. Available in T-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, caps, beanies. Bloody hell. Everything. Just go and have a look. AITs.co.uk. Anyway, um, there's some questions that we need to ask. Uh, WGM Lund asked before we came on the show. Um, Tadiva, we'll ask you first. Do we think it would be useful to play Minamino with Bobby on the pitch? I know we view him as a backup to Bob's position, but maybe he can get some good exposure from how to play that position if he's playing alongside Firmino. Uh, you know, he's saying use this game as an example, maybe sub him on for Origi, and we'll talk about Origi now because he's got injured, which is probably the only dark part of the game. Uh, I know that's not his natural position, but might be useful to experience where Bobby goes, what he does from the perspective of other positions on the field. I'll be interested to hear 
other opinions. So, Tadima, you first. Yeah, I think um, if you go back down the years, the manager that probably highlighted this the most was Arsene Wenger, especially when he had signed strikers. He would start them off on the left wing so that they can appreciate the runs that should be made by the striker when they get into that position, you know, what the left wing will be expecting, what they're going to be seeing and the vision and all of that. So I think maybe this is where the the, the question is coming from in that by playing another position, you can appreciate where that player is going to be on the pitch and um, what is needed from that player by other players, you know, by playing those positions. Um, I think, the beauty about Minamino and probably one of the highlights that Klopp would have loved from him coming into this team would have been his versatility. He, he, and I think he's shown it in, in just a few games that he's played. Klopp doesn't just throw you into teams willy nilly. Um, you got to know the system and not just know the system. You got to know it really well, especially when we have the pressing system that we have. If one person is late on their press, um, it can lead to goals. Or if one pre- person presses incorrectly, it can lead to goals. We saw, for example, uh, the Wolves goal where Robertson rushed up and maybe he should have, you know, and, and he would be the first one to say, maybe he shouldn't have pushed forward. He, he, he sh- maybe he should have dropped back a little bit. But so in those situations, you're risking, you know, if you put Minamino in there, I think that's why his first game he played up front because at least the strikers pressing, you can kind of cover it up. But if he was pressing, let's say, from a midfield position, if he gets that wrong, it opens up so much space for the other side. So I think it's more a situation of how quickly can he learn the pressing from those positions, those side positions, those side forward positions. Um, And the quicker he learns that, I think the more Klopp is going to be willing to put him in there. I don't think it's necessarily out of a lack of him being able to play in those positions. I think he's got hmm. the versatility to play in those positions. It's just how quickly he can learn, for me, the defensive side of things from there. I, I, um, I was very impressed with his pressing. Defensive side of things, different to pressing, I think. So pressing-wise, he, di- he pressed unbelievably against Wolves. I've said it before. I don't know if I said it in the group or, well, I said it on UP, 100% efficiency from 20 presses in your first 68 minutes as a Liverpool player in a in a rough game like Wolves is pretty damn impressive in my book. I don't think I've ever seen any debutant do that ever in a Premier League game for us. So pressing is not a problem for Minamino. Defensive transitions, understanding where to be, what time it's going to take time. That's why... Klopp usually brings them in slow. I think what, what we need to see is Minamina can play any position of the front three. He's done it in his career. We shouldn't have any worries about where he plays. He can play, it'd probably be better to play a 4-2-3-1 right now with Minamina behind in my opinion, just to see how it goes, just to see you know them link up and him get a bit more comfortable on the ball. And, and be able to spray those passes like he did where he was before. And then, obviously, out of when we're defending, the two sixes go across to whichever side they're going to. But um, whichever side the the, um, the team is uh, attacking. And these guys drop in then, Bobby and, Bobby and um, uh, Minamino drop in, whilst the other two, the other two that are up front become um, kind of like your outlets. But that's that's... How whatever similar to what we do at the moment anyway with with Mo, but I I don't think there's a problem. I just think he needs time, as in 
game time. We need to see more of him with the with the front three. And that was a hot game to come into, man, Wolves. We were under pressure. Maybe a game like this against West Ham would be a showcase for Minamino to see how his his passing is. Like he he can he can make. We've seen him against us play some unbelievable passes in games and finish as well. Just needs to get those opportunities and be allowed those opportunities for us. And so many people are making judgments off of very little gameplay in terms of you know negative judgments. Very much so. Not not you to do, but I'm just saying I've seen a lot. You know, online, and, yeah, and I, know I don't think it's fair. You know, I don't I think know, it's fair. I know you're going to jump to Dave just now, um, but just to quickly comment on that. Remember, with strikers and especially with our front three, a lot of it is to do with um, how long they've played together and fluidity and the pace that we play our football. It's all in split seconds, milliseconds, making quick but he's decisions. He's used to that, dude. No, no, no. I, I mean, I mean, in the sense of if you watch Minamino, and I suppose it, it's easier to do it when you watch him live. If you watch Minamino in the games he's played for us, all his runs are, are are really good. He makes fantastic runs into space. It's just if when Salah has the ball, for example, um, um, especially in like the Wolves game where Salah would have the ball and he's running with the ball, Minamino makes an intelligent run, but because Salah's not used to seeing that run. He doesn't play the ball in that split second, and then Minamino will now be offside. He can't play that ball, so people don't notice that part of it. They, they'll say, "Oh, he's not getting involved in anything." But with familiarity, when he plays more and more, that pass will then come from Salah, and he's going to break through. So, if you watch him playing now, the important thing to notice, and the thing that we should be looking out for, is: is he making? runs that create space is he trying passes that create space whether or not they come off now i don't think is a big factor i think the fact that he's doing it is encouraging because the more they play together the more they're going to be able to know those runs are coming and see them opposed to let's say they were expecting runs that money would be making and then minamino doesn't make that run so they don't pass to that space but he's made another run um, I think he's doing everything fine at the moment. It, it will just come once they play with him and they get that link um, with how, how he moves. I totally agree. I think it's just time and we have to give it him. We can't be judging another player too early. This fan base does it too much. And at this point, at this time, when how, how good we are, we can't be doing that shit. Okay, um, Dave. Um, let's can talk. Ju- let's go. To, yeah, go. Sorry, on, before go we on. move on to the next subject, can I just say because I, I haven't seen too much negative about Minimino, but honestly, I mean, everyone's got an opinion, and if you can't see that there is a real player there that just needs a bit of time to bet in the team, I. I, I don't know what to say for you, but everyone's got an opinion, haven't they? And and today I was looking, so so Stephen Fry, right, he sticks up a Twitter message, he's got a cup of coffee, and he says, I, I've managed to make it uh, with oat milk. And then someone on Twitter's like, yeah, it looks great, however, oat milk isn't milk. You're saying this to Stephen fucking Fry, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I mean, stay in your lane. There's always going to be people with, with a, a ridiculous opinion. Uh, he just absolutely does need time. Um, I'm surprised he's got as much game time as he has. If you look at how Andy Robertson was handled, how Fabinho was handled, you know, they have to be drilled. It's not just about that individual person, that individual player. They need to be drilled into that system. I think Minimino will be a fantastic player for us. 
but it's just maybe not right now but we might see it that you know he's 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 going to be introduced a bit quicker than Klopp would ideally like but I think he's going to be a great player and and I've seen personally I've seen enough from him not just the the games against us but but in the games for us I've seen enough to know he's going to be great for us me too me too right let's move to the next one and it's very sim um very similar. It's from Saki. Um, given that Ox hasn't hit his peak yet, Naby is coming back. Fabinho is gaining match fitness, and Minamino is still getting used to the team. Dave, is there a chance that if these guys hit their best level, that you know this team gets even better closing in the season off? You know, <laughs> it. So I think the the quick answer is yes. I think they can get better, but points wise, it's a bit hard to, isn't it? We've only dropped two points this season and and I still think that was mostly driven from just psychology and just an inferiority complex I, I think we can absolutely get better we can score more goals you know we can be the proper full-on Harlem Globetrotters so we can get better but you just cannot argue I, I've just I've been in a mode for so many years now of just thinking about that next step in evolution and how this team gets better. Actually, I just want to savor for the moment just what this team is right now. Me too, totally. Um, Tadiva, what do you think of what Saki said? I definitely think we can get better. Um, And I think it's going to be coupled with the fact that teams also are going to be so dejected playing us. That goes hand in hand as well. Nowadays, teams are going to see, oh, Liverpool next week. Okay, we've lost that game straight away. So, you know, whereas earlier in the season, maybe there were teams that were still thinking, oh, we could probably get something from it and stuff like that. They might be just coming in with defeated mindsets altogether, and that's going to help us out. I think the only thing that, um, not necessarily that it's a worry, but knowing that the, the way the Premier League and the media likes to create narratives is if we close this Premier League season off really early and considering, you know, the trajectory that, that we're going at and, and the way Man City have been playing as our closest rivals at the moment is we could sew up the league really early and just be concentrating if we're still in FA Cup, concentrating on FA Cup and Champions League. And maybe the squad might be weaker during the Premier League games and we might drop a few points possibly and then you know how the media loves to, oh, this team is, is, you know, it's limping to the, to the, to the title. It's not as good as it was at the beginning of the season. They were lucky they got those results at the beginning of the season. That's probably the only thing that they could argue or, or try and create some sort of narrative on. Um, but in terms of our starting 11 or our, our, our main core group, I, I definitely think we can get better, especially when teams now come to games against us knowing or, you know, feeling like, oh, we don't stand a chance. It's almost basically gone flip where people used to go to Man City and just think, you know what, we're not going to win. We'll rest a few players. Exactly. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> and we'll, we'll, we'll lose. It's okay. So that's, that's actually a nice feeling to have. But how did they beat us, though? I mean, City, you can see they've got that really high press. They, they, you know, but if you can get through that press then they're quite light at the back. And particularly, you know, with company gone, you, you can say they're they're vulnerable at the back. How the fuck does any manager think they're going to beat us at the minute? 
No, what what can you do? Because you, you can do the low block, we'll, we'll play through you. You can attack us, you can press us high, we'll play through it and we'll beat you that way. I think it's just going to be a situation of they're going to have to take every single chance they get. It's going to have to be like a 100% conversion rate, which is kind of hard to do in any game and then even harder to do when you've got Liverpool's defence and Alisson in goal. But it's going to have to be one of those situations. For example, you mentioned City. It's going to have to be one of those games where Aguero just scores two freakish goals or three freakish goals and then we only score two. But I don't think it will be a situation where we'll get played off the park because at the moment I don't see anyone that can play us off the park. Yeah, I'm absolutely not saying that that we will easily go the season unbeaten. In a one-off game, we can absolutely get beaten. I'm just wondering, when each manager is setting up against us, and they're saying, right, this is the way tactically we're going to beat Liverpool at the minute. I just, I genuinely don't see how you could do it. I, like say, I could, I could say how you could set up to beat City, to play through that press. I, I don't know for us because we're just world-class all over the pitch. I totally agree as well. It's It's so tough to... Oh my god! For opposition teams, the mental game now is the they they just look at us and think, "What the fuck?" And I think Southampton will be confident because you know they're they're in a bit of good form. And so let's just look ahead because it's not much of a quick a turnaround really to the next game um, to Diva. I actually think they'll give us a bit more space. It might be it might be facing someone like them just might suit us at Anfield a little bit more than someone who'll just sit in. I don't know if I've seen enough of them, but they don't seem like a team that's just going to go there and sit back and try and soak it up. I think the beauty of that game is, first and foremost, because it's at Anfield and we have that confidence at at Anfield. Um, I think also with their style of play, I do think it suits us. And I think also um, the fact that, especially at Anfield, if a team wants to come and play that kind of game of you know um, trying to outgun us, um, that's probably what we've been waiting for all season. Because so many teams come to us so scared, we, we're happy to say, okay, we'll score the first goal, uh, we'll chill on the ball, um, come and take the ball away from us, come and score because you know we don't concede goals. If you score one, okay, fine, we'll go score another one. But if a team comes to Anfield and they try and outgun us, that's probably just going to be a recipe for disaster, especially if you have a team that's not Man City. They could, they're probably the only team that could try and argue um, strength for strength uh, with their squad depth that they could go they could try and outgun us. But I think our quality will just shine through against a, a team like Southampton if they try and bring that approach. I think they're going to probably. I wouldn't be surprised if they shift their approach, keeping two up front in terms of Ings and Shane Long or whoever else they keep up front, but holding back and hoping to try and uh, get a few goals on the counter attack. That's probably the only tactic that teams have at the moment it's just in this game with West Ham they just had no support for Haller but you just have to sit deep get as many bodies as you can centrally um, just in your box and just outside your box and then have two willing runners up front where when you clear the ball they can at least hold the ball up first and foremost which is already a difficult task with our defenders hold the ball up um, have supporting runners coming forward and then you just have to take every single chance you get which is already a difficult thing to do for any player. Not even Messi can do that. So, yeah. well, taking taking the chance against um, Alisson is not an easy thing to do at this moment in time. Which is the beauty 
So yeah, good luck with that, Saints. Uh, but <laughs> it just be it'll just be beautiful to get those points. And obviously, I think someone in the group just said the next time I think it was DW. Next time we play City, I mean, sorry, next time City play, they could be twenty two points behind, and that in itself is something that just <laughs> the mind boggles. <laughs> just imagine turning up to the next, is their next game Tottenham by any chance? I need to check that. I just want to quickly just stroke through this. Yeah. Is it? it is as well on Sunday evening. So and it's absolutely- that is beautiful. That is, and it's away from home. So Mourinho, do your shit for once in your life, you bastard. So yeah, beating Southampton could be going into that two-week break where Klopp wants a break. And I agree with Klopp. Don't care what anyone says. I fucking agree with him. I want, I, I, I want him to have a break. I want the team to have a break. Let's not go there. But yeah, I can't listen to your arguments anyway. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So imagine going in, like Steve W said, 22 points ahead and they face Spurs. A draw there. You know, Jesus Christ. It's February and it is just, we are in dreamland because... I just, yeah, I mean, I don't see a way back now, but 20, anything over 20, Dave, is just like, this is humiliating for you guys, for the rest of the league. It, it's crazy, isn't it? I mean, people, you know, like to rib us about we blew a lead last year and whatever. They they quote like nine points and whatever, but it was never a real nine points because, you know, I think we had that on the Saturday and then City played on the Sunday or something like that. So it was never like like for like this is fucking 19 points ahead, like for like, you know, and, and to go ahead further. I mean, to them, it must be absolutely insurmountable, mustn't it? I mean, I, I do think, you know, and, and this is the point when, when I will look back on the season and I think I can pinpoint that game where we played City and Guardiola absolutely lost it on the pitch, on, on the side. You know, he was going twice, twice, and he was looking to the heavens. I, he just lost it. And the thing is, when the coach does that, he just emanates it to the rest of the team. And that that was the weekend when Sterling went a bit crazy on Gomez, wasn't it? So I, I just think they must be at the point now where it's gone. They're not even in a chase. They're trying to make sure for the prestige of the club, they want to secure second, but they want to focus on the Champions League. But I I think for them, the league's gone now. I actually, I actually believe they believe totally that it's gone and they'd be fucking deluded not to. So watching them on... Sunday to Diva will be really, really interesting. I'm going to make sure I take time out to watch and see if I can be one of those dickheads that, you know, analyzes people's, um, what is it, body language. I'm going to be one of those body language expert bollocks dickheads on Sunday. I think we should all be, <laughs> and we should all be unbearable, and you should all get the fucking t-shirt at AITs.co.uk as well. But anyway, to Diva, I honestly think it would. it's going to be so much fun to watch if we have one on Saturday, if on Sunday watching City and just seeing them maybe a slow death, maybe it would just be ah oh, the things things we dreamed of. But well, I, I have to watch the game regardless because I've got a Spurs fan in the household. <laughs> <laughs> Go Spurs for that day only. <laughs> yeah, um, but I think the I think remember 
a city would have hired people that kind of do the same same thing, obviously, for city that we would have done uh, on, on Anfield Index Pro in the sense of having evaluated Liverpool seasons under Klopp, we all know that Klopp struggles in January. So from City's perspective and the way that, that Pep Guardioli would have been riling up the players to go through the December period, go through the January period, especially the January period, and pick up the points that they have is to say, don't worry, guys, these guys always drop the ball in January and this is where we're going to close the gap on them. And then to come out of it at the end of January and be further away from us, like that, that is automatically ruined his team talk over the January period, because any coach will tell you that would have been what he would have been relying on. Don't worry, guys. They're going to drop points. They always do it in January. He struggles in January. So we're going to close the gap. And then knowing the media, um, and you, you can see Pep plays the media as well, they would have then started to drive the narrative of, are, are Liverpool slipping? Are they going to do it again in terms of slipping? Oh, you would have heard fans singing that Gerard song, you know, that, that slipping song. They would have just tried to build and build and build that pressure. But then now their tactics completely gone out of the window. So effectively for me, January was the last big stand that we had to make from a psychological perspective. Once we got through this January period, especially now that the Champions League is starting to creep its head, the city's players' heads would have been turned they would be looking at the FA Cup with the easy draws that they get. They would be looking at the Champions League with that being the trophy that Pep was brought to bring in and still hasn't won. Um, yeah, once January got, we got through this January period, their heads are, are, have definitely dropped and, and they know that they, their success is going to come in other trophies. Magnificent, mate. Dave, anything else before we finish off? Yeah, I, I'm just trying to replay now because it feels to me like in the early part of the season, there was a real barb, there was a needle between Klopp and and, um, and Guardiola. Whereas now, in the last month or so, it, it seems quite chummy, quite pally. And mm. so I think for me, uh, that that is a symptom that Guardiola's just, he's kind of let go of it. You know, and there's that mutual admiration because look, City are a great team. And one of the things I, I, when we were talking about great teams earlier, I was thinking of this poll on Sky Sports that was this last week. And they were talking about what are the great Premier League sides. And like all bloody Sky Sports polls, it's just a popularity contest, isn't it? And the Man United treble season, the the 99 season team was down as, as, you know, being the greatest Premier League team. And I think they won with 70, 70 odd points or something like that. Whereas, you know, that's up against the Invincibles. That's up against the United, uh, the City side that got 100 points and 98 points. You've got to say... That that city side, surely up to now, up to this season, has been the greatest Premier League side, just by blowing away everyone else. And right now, all our fierce rivals are scampering to try and find all the reasons how they can discredit us <laughs> from being the greatest side. But I tell you what, fuck the lot of you. This is going to be the best Premier League side that's walked the earth. I'm telling you now, we will beat that point total and it will be undeniable that we are the best. The ironic thing as well is City created this beast because City were the ones last season that showed us 
if you lose one game, you're not going to win the title. So going into this season, <laughs> our mentality was... <laughs> We're not losing, last sorry. Season, so, no, last season, um, if you look, there were some games where Klopp clearly took the draw. And he was like, yeah. you know what? I'll, I'll walk away with the draw. I'm going to get enough points towards the end of the season. And yep. he, he would have been right in every other Premier League season but that specific season because 97 points would have won it in every other season. So he was correct. But then City, City set the standard. The standard is if you lose a game, you're not going to win the title. So Liverpool took that to heart. And do you know what we're doing? We're not losing a game and we're going to win the title. And then we sort of look behind us and we're like, wait, City, you set the standard. How come you're not keeping up with us anymore? You know yeah, what I mean? Absolutely right, Sadiva. Yep, yep. And, and I think it's happened a, a few times now, hasn't it? Because if you look back at the, the Premier League's sort of seasons when United were dominant, they were winning with 80 plus points. You know, each season, it, it wasn't that high a points toll. And, and the narrative at the time used to be you can't lose more than six games and, and hope to win the league. I think it, it, there was a change when in Mourinho's first season, I think two, it was 2005, wasn't it? And then he bur- burst through that kind of 90-point range. That set a different standard. And then City have set a different standard again. And you're absolutely right. Klopp's just he's engineered this side to win every game. And it, and it is just it is impressive. We're, we're witnessing history. We are. It's... it's... Oh, it's just nice. I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave it there. This is history. This is beautiful. Um, any plugs from you guys? Apparently, by the way, guys, are suffering cramp, so it doesn't look as, um, you know, as nasty as we thought it might be with a hamstring. So Klopp said that. So that's some good news. Hopefully, can start the weekend after a bit of rest in the next few days. So. All the talk on Minamina can probably go back on the back burner for a bit, maybe. Who knows? But Klopp has done um, some weird and wonderful things. Who knows? Um, to Diva first, you, any plugs, my friend? Um, we'll be doing a Rate, Don't Hate podcast, I think, either tomorrow or the next day. So uh, subscribe. Oh, wow. so you're do, yeah, you're not doing a double edit. You're going to do... Um, yeah, that's good. Great. Yeah, so uh, people definitely get your, your ratings in. It will be interesting to see what, what scores people come up with. Um, I'll be keeping a close eye on Alison especially. Um, and then sort of a podcast I did last week, the Royal Rumble was this past weekend. Uh, we did a preview of the Royal Rumble. It, it will be interesting if you want to have a listen, see who we thought was going to win it and then have a look at who won it. And then I think we might wait a week just to let um, everything settle and then we'll do a catch up. Exactly. And then we'll do a post match um, um, podcast just to see the landscape, see which matches are already set for WrestleMania and, and, it's probably the most exciting time for for wrestling in terms of the run up to WrestleMania, especially Royal Rumble. That's my favorite pay per view of the year. Wonderful, um, Dave. Yep. If you want to catch me, you can catch me on Comics in Motion. Uh, it's on the Anfield Index app or any other podcast catcher. The last few things we've done. So, so actually, we've just uh, the episode that's out at the minute. We tackled Rise of Skywalker. Uh, the next few weeks, we're going to be tackling things like we're going to go back to Blade Two, absolute classic, uh, peak Wesley Snipes for me. Uh, then we're going to tackle I Kill Giants, and then the new Birds of Prey movie as well. Wonderful, loads coming from you as well. Um... From my point of view, quite a thing, quite a few things to plug at the moment. Um, 
on AI Pro. Scouts of Tommies will be back on Friday, and there's a special new show from Mr. Nevin. Yes, there is a new show coming from Mr. Nevin. Um, I'll I'll let him announce that later this week. So uh, it's going to be a really, really special one as well. Some legend on it with him. It'll be good. So we'll we'll just wait and uh, we'll announce that in time. But just want to whet the appetite. That's on AI Pro, folks. Mr. Nevin is on AI Pro now. So, um, yeah, a couple of shows coming from him in the next week or so. The other stuff, uh, AI Pro, uh, Under Pressure was out. There's a Media Max, Matters with uh, Chris Pedro from Red Men. Go and listen to that. Really good on, on Pro as well. Remember, amphodindis.com forward slash join. Please do go check out libertyshield.com. Uh, our friends, um, my partners on AI Pro would love you to do that. They are invested in, you know, invested in that, um, Eddie, especially. Um, so it's a family feel kind of thing. If you love us, you should love them. LibertyShield.com. AI VPN is 25% of everything. And finally, something close to my heart is AITs. Please do go check out the website. Um, honestly, loving doing this. So many designs out there. The new one, Bobby Kung Fu. Who doesn't love a bit of Bobby? Missed his chance today. because I was waiting when he scored to try and tweet it out. Didn't let me do it. But um, yeah. The Becker one, I probably should be tweeting out today because he do, he was great. But there's some there's some there's some designs that we want you to wear. You know, we would like you to wear during games. But not only that, we're trying to make them so so subtle that you could wear them at any time, um, anywhere. So please do go check them out. I think you'll really like them. Shipping to Europe and to USA is local, but worldwide shipping is also available. So go and um, check that out. And um, do support us. You support us so much already on Pro and on the free side on Anfield Index. But yeah, on uh, Tees would be wonderful too. And for those of you that already have and are sending your pictures in, it's very humbling and very proud. I'm very, me and myself and Nina, very proud of it. Um, Nina helping me as well. We're both doing that together. So yeah, make sure you go and check that out. And um, we appreciate any support you do, you do give us. And that is the Gags Tandon Show today. Thank you very much for listening. I am back because Nina's off on Saturday with two more guests. Hopefully a few callers this time. Cheeky Gits didn't turn up when I do it. Eh? Cheeky Gits, you best <laughs> turn up next time on on, on uh, Saturday. Otherwise, that's it. I'm never coming back on call-ins. Yeah, you'll lose me. Okay, no, no, don't. I, oh, you, know. you might actually not do it now on purpose. But anyway, see you next week. Up the Reds. Network.